So she's upstairs. I call my mom and she's like, you know, they, they found something else and I need to get uh, more treatment done. And it broke me, dog. Like, Tabitha came downstairs. I'm about to cry now. Tabitha came downstairs, and I remember her asking, like, so what'd she say? And I couldn't even get the words out, dog. And she just, I guess she saw it, and she just embraced me. It is Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg, joined with my co-hosts, Buff and Rozzy. Fellas, it is MLK Day. Tell them what's on your mind. Well, <sighs> I, I want to say uh, happy birthday to MLK, but also we're recording on uh, Sade Adu's birthday. So, it's actually Sade's birthday. Yeah, Sade's birthday today. So happy birthday to her and the band. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all see that picture of Sade, though? Yeah. 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 What year she that, said that was? 2017? But that was three years ago, two years ago, man. She aged like fine wine. Yeah. Like, yeah I gotta just, give it to her. I got it. Whatever she drinking, they need to bottle that. <laughs> I don't know if it's water. <laughs> so, oh man, what's on your mind, fellas? Man, I'm excited for uh, Bad Boys for Life coming out this yes, weekend. Yes, so, sir. I'm nervous. You're nervous? Really? You don't think I, it's gonna be good? I, I've I've already made up in my mind it's good, so it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It's good. <laughs> it's as good as Belly. <laughs> <laughs> belly, it's a very Bad, good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly how to describe it. I, I, I don't know if you were done, Rosie, but I, I got a lot going on. I, since we last recorded, shout out to Kristen for coming on, Ani, De La Cruz, uh, Baraka. Uh, y'all, y'all heard the show. Y'all, yeah, y'all know all the names by now. Shout out to her for coming on and correcting Rosie a couple times. Um, but since we recorded that show, man, I've had a lot going on. Uh, first off, um, my daughter is a woman now. Uh, oh, wow. I don't, yeah, bro. I don't yeah. know how you missed that, Rising. That hurt my heart. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I remember. I'm just saying, oh, wow, that you actually said it on the podcast. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I, I reached out to, well, you know, I'm just glad we talked to her. Uh, before everything happened, so she kind of knew what to do. You know, she came down there and said, "Mommy, I need to talk to you upstairs," and I instantly knew what was going on. So, did you freak uh, out? I a little. Bit. You did have wanna, a drink. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to elaborate on too much because sometimes I tell her to listen to it in the car, and she's in there with her, and she hates Jasmine. Hates when I bring her up on the show. So that's all I say. Just dealing with that. That was a shock for me. Uh, as many of you know, I work on Capitol Hill, so I've been witness- witnessing a lot of history this week with the articles and impeachment being brought over to the Senate. Uh, I've been getting a kick out of telling Tabitha, no, you can't wear that. No, you can't wear this. She's getting ready to go to her girl's trip in Miami next week. Who's she going with? <laughs> She's going with a couple of co-workers, man. I'm like, ah, no, can't wear that. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, she does ask my opinion on how things look, though, so... 
been giving her my opinion on that. And man, just found out right before we came on air that uh, Watchmen is not going to be renewed for a yeah. second. You stole my thunder, man. That, yeah. that hurt my heart. I still haven't read the article on what's going on. I, um, I think the creator didn't want to come back, and so HBO was like, "Well, well, we we just won't pursue it." They gotta find. They gotta finish something off. I mean, last we saw, God was a woman. Like he was Spoiler. going down. Spoiler alert. Oh man! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody ain't caught up. You I, never know. You never know. Hey man, that's been that's been it's been months. Yeah. But no man, that had that had me uh, feeling some sort of way, and you know me being a, almost a semi conspiracy theorist, semi black nationalist. I'm like, oh, cause the white man didn't want the black man to have a show with a black <laughs> man. So I went, I went, I was, I was already in my. Uh, Ani would be proud. <laughs> Mike Williams would be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out Mike Williams, man. That, yeah, he hey, keeps he keeps me rolling, man. I just never know what he's gonna say. That, but that man had he speaks his truth, which I really can respect. So, you know, that's huge. Man, have you ever had an ironic day? Like my day was so crazy. So uh earlier today I went to physical therapy. Um, for my wrist, you know, I had a wrist surgery a few months ago. And so my therapist was asking, have I ever done, I got a new therapist. She asked, have I ever done physical therapy? And I was talking about my back and how I had to switch to therapists at one point in time because I had to get a lawyer involved. And I'm like, you know what? For the first time in a while, I realized my back was doing okay. You know, I really don't have pain anymore. And I've been working, well, I was working out and stuff like that. So I thought I was good. So walk to the car, get in the car, well, the new truck that we got. Well, it's a used truck, but the cup truck we got. Talking to my wife about getting insurance on the truck. We're literally driving down the street. Oh, talking about insurance. Oh, and I get rear-ended. Oh, man. Like, we're literally in mid-conversation like, okay, maybe we should go Geico. Oh, no, 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 Progressive. Maybe we'll stay with USAA. We're getting, we're getting quotes. She's sending me quotes, and I get rear-ended. Now, there wasn't a lot of damage to the truck. Well, there was really no damage to the truck, but it was also that that jolt I got in my back. And now I'm at that point where I feel a little twinge, but I don't know if it's that that men- mental, like, uh, here we go again, or is it really something serious, or is it just your body locking up and responding to, you know, just being in an accident and something huge. But I'm just like, you got to be, you got to be shitting me. I literally was on the phone. I was like, babe, let me call you back. I just got rear-ended. And... You're going to go get looked at, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go get looked at. Oh, I don't play that. Especially, you know, you're more susceptible uh, to to a flare-up or something like that after having an injury or being in an accident like that. So, um, but I was just like, you got to be, got to be kidding me. Dang. But, you uh, call the cops and go through, even though you don't have insurance, y'all, you didn't get their insurance? I, no, I have, but I have, because I'm an insurance, I'm an insured driver. And there's insurance on the, there's insurance on the truck. Because the person I bought it for, from still has insurance on it, but it's just um, we were look, talking about transferring everything over and looking, budgeting like, well, since we got to add this, let's look at everything and see if we, mm-hmm. you know, we can save money. So we were mid conversation about all that stuff, and she's like, we haven't had any claims in the last, you know, x amount of years. I'm like, no, we haven't, and bam. So that was my day in a nutshell. Dang. So, um, also, you, you, you I, to say so? did I cut you off, Rosie? 
Because I know I kind of jumped in there with everything I had thinking. No, no, no. I actually, um, I, I had a question about the impeachment thing with you. What's kind of one of the most the one of the most surreal things that you have experienced in the last couple of days since the um, articles have been delivered? I, I watched a couple of the uh, or a few minutes of it as I walked in and out of the break room with everything that was going on. Like, what's kind of the coolest thing that you saw? So surreal. I don't know how surreal this is, but anybody that's been to the Capitol and rather you, you come up there to watch the Senate in session. If you ever been there to watch the Senate in session, you rarely see more than maybe two members on the floor. One may be giving a speech and the rest of the floor is completely empty. So to see all 100 senators at their seats on the floor to uh, receive these articles of impeachment, man, I don't, it's not necessarily surreal, but it's like something you don't normally see. But I'll tell you the most interesting thing for me was uh, when they took that oath, you know, all this week you've been hearing how, especially from Republicans, that they're not going to be impartial. They're going to be impartial. The oath they took literally says, they have to be impartial. <laughs> and so, so I'm like, so you guys going to break that oath or what now? So I just thought that was kind of funny, man. But, but there's no there's no ramifications for breaking that oath, is it? No, because to them, the way they interpret it as this is not a criminal trial like in a court. They have the right to be partial if they want to. They can do that. So that's what happens when you get to make the rules. You don't have to follow them. <laughs> or you tweak them to work them, work for you. Yep, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much so. Okay. What was it like seeing the uh, Chief Justice of the United States come in and be that there? Because that, I mean, that was pretty cool. Like, he comes up there for State of the Union, but it's not about him. Like, he just comes and sit down. Like, he presided over the Senate, man. That was like, that was crazy. And I'll tell you what else, too, man. We're more locked down now than we are during inauguration, which is our biggest event of uh, of of the of Capitol Hill. We're more locked down. Like there are certain hallways that the press is usually able to uh, go back and forth on. They can't go. Like people who work there can't go in certain hallways. When the president of the United States is getting sworn in on inauguration, the inside of the building is pretty much still open. So it's just been crazy to watch this major lockdown for this trial that, according to everybody, is supposed to be a nothing burger because we already know what's going to happen, but they're still taking it seriously up there. Yeah. I saw um, some things about, like, some of the senators to watch because the thing is, Trump's probably not going to get removed, but the votes that come out of this can get some senators removed. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. cause, I mean, the yeah. people are going to turn on him. You got, uh, you know, here in Alabama, you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Doug Jones, who's a, a senator in a red state in, of Alabama. I mean, exactly. that that puts him on the uh, on the, the chopping block. On the flip side, you got Susan Collins, who's already considered vulnerable. So it's going to be interesting to see how she votes. Lisa Murkowski is also a person that, doesn't always toe the line with Republicans. So no matter what happens here, State of the Union is going to be like awkward as hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have a Speaker of the House sitting behind a president that she impeached. I'm just wondering <laughs> if Democrats are even going to show up for that, man. So, but it won't be weird for him. Oh, no. He, lo- he loves it. I, mean, I don't that's, know. That's the thing, man. I've already gotten political enough. He, he doesn't. He, does, he likes this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. It, 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 the, they always talk about, you know, no news is bad news or uh, no news, atten- no attention is bad attention, something like that. So uh, I think he lives his life by that, man. He's yeah. a reality TV star. So, hey, man, that, that is true. That That's crazy. Well, you know what time it is? I mean, we didn't pub the Senate. We don't get oh, any fr- well, <laughs> but before we uh, pub anything else, though, I want to holla, uh, shout out uh, Sherman Cooley. Uh, his new book's coming out Monday, so it, it should drop the same time that the episode drops. So if you guys uh, haven't uh, heard about him, we're going to have a link in the show notes. Hit him up. Go uh, get that book, too. Tracy, and, volume four. Yeah, Tracy is it's my favorite until the end. I would just say that. And y'all know why. <laughs> But no, it's a. I mean, I feel like I don't know if he's just get, he gets better or you just get more involved in the stories over time. But I feel like every story I get more bought in and it's better than the last, you know, prior to Tracy coming out. Um, I was a, a fan of uh, your story, Bo, you know, and prior to that, I was a, a I was a bigger fan of Mia than I was Andre, you know, and now just Tracy's it. So I'm hoping that stays true, I think, but I, I doubt it. I think <laughs> what happens is each story, you get more of Mobile, you get more of LaFleur. You learn, like, so even though you move past Andre and Mia, in Brandon's story, you learn more about Mia, you learn more about Andre. Some of the scenes connect, like, so whatever happened in Andre, uh, a piece of that happens in Mia. So it's just, I think it's just fun to see how it all connects and adds up, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. Uh, it drops MLK Day. It's gonna it's gonna be a great read. People jump out there. I, on behalf of Sherman, if I can speak on his behalf, he really appreciates all the love and support. I mean, you guys have gone out and it's doing numbers. Downloaded the book. Yeah. You're reading the book. People are talking about it. I just ask you guys to go to his uh, page comment, share, subscribe, do all the same things, you know, you can't listen to it, but do all the rest of the stuff you would do that you would give us. So all of our listeners, everybody on our page, please go and support our homeboy Sherman. It's not just because he's our homeboy, but I think it's a great book. He's a great author and um, the support one of our own. Did we mention it's free? They're free, by the way. Free. That is free. <laughs> that That is free. And you know what else is free? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, we're back. Three Brothers No Sense. Your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, the host. Uh, You know what time it is. It's question time. So since we did a little different last week, I'm going to keep the party going and I'm going to I'm going to wait till last to ask my question. So usually I set the tone. So I'm going to let my guys set the tone. So who wants to go first? Well, oh man, I'm, I'm armed with two questions, but I was kind of going to go by whatever you guys asked. I, I know that. That's how it goes. <laughs> so. 
and you always have to change your questions based off of me. So I'm, I'm trying to turn it over a new leaf. All right, so we talked about serious topics last week. Uh, color, what was it? Colorism. And you guys remember what else? Stay, the, at, stay at home. Stay at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dividing up, uh, the household it, duties. It wasn't too serious then, I guess. So how about this then? I'm, I'm going to start it off serious. You guys can lighten it up as the show goes on. Um, we've kind of touched on this topic here and there. Uh, we're definitely three males that don't mind you know, revealing our feelings about things. Uh, and we kind of think, think outside the box. But I wanted to ask you guys, because I believe both of you guys have cried in front of your spouse, correct? Yeah. I guess so. I'm not a crier. Okay. So my question is, when was the first time you cried in front of your spouse? And was that something that you actively tried to hold back because you were holding on to that masculinity and that's not what men do. Do you remember that moment when you finally said, Hey, this is my spouse. I can trust her with this vulnerability. What was it that brought you to tears in front of your spouse for the first time? Huh? You want to go rise? I think I figured mine out. I think I know mine. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Um, so I, I think I know mine and Jenica, Knowing her, she's gonna call me out and be like, "That wasn't it." But um, you know, I, I, I am a crier, and and not because of the masculine thing. It's like literally, I can't control my emotions, especially you know. I, again, that's another sign of PTSD: not being able to control your emotions and not being able to uh, hold things back. And so, yeah, the first time that I cried in front of Jenica really was we were just watching a movie and it was a random i don't even know what movie it was but it the wasn't notebook. any no it wasn't no that's the thing is it wasn't sappy it wasn't it, it was it was i want to say tears of the sun and i don't know if you guys have watched tears of the sun we but... watched that right before we left before we got deployed yeah we did we did so oh um, okay and so I and, and maybe that's what it was. I, I, I didn't even put two and two together with that, but it was on and it, it always kind of, you know, tears you up if you know the movie, Um, you know, but it was we were just watching it and, you know, he was kind of going trying to say to kids and everything like that. And I just couldn't hold it back. And I just, you know, it, it, it started off with the kind of just kind of sniffling a little bit. And then it, it turned into like a full on weep and everything. And Jenica, I, I never forget. She just didn't know what to do. She just kind of sat there <laughs> and, and like looked how, at me. How long ago was this? Um, I, it was when I first gotten back because I, yeah. I still hadn't gone back to work yet. So I mean, it had to be August time frame of uh, 2010. Oh, yeah. That makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, that that makes perfect sense. And so it wasn't just a regular guy watching a movie crying it's a guy watching a movie dealing with the military dealing with people some of the kind of stuff he dealt with coming back from war it was a ptsd cry yeah and and basically you know i can understand and y'all were married so y'all were still kind of fresh in that relationship i'm pretty sure she's like okay what do i do Mm -hmm. you know were you worried how she was going to react to that i was um 
and it, you know, I was sitting there like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm crying so hard. I don't, you know, I've watched this movie plenty of times. It's, it's not like it's surprising to me or anything like that. And, um, it was just, you know, I was like, I, 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 I can't stop. And she was like, at first she just kind of looked at me, but then she was like, it's cool. And, and like, you know, I always tell the story about how she kind of got me out of my funk and brought me back and, and stood by me. And, and truthfully, that's when I was like, she, she's a keeper because she's going to kind of be there for me and, and not, I guess, get scared or call me a punk. And actually, I think she called me a punk later on. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she that's, did. That sounds like Jennifer, that right? Sound like yeah. a, that sounds like her. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing was, she never hid from it or, or tried to ignore it. She she just addressed it, and she was like, you know, regardless, um, I think that's what it was. I think we talked about it a little later, and she was just like, regardless if you're being a punk, I mean, I'm going to be here. I ain't going nowhere. I think she said it kind of like that. So that's just her, man. She She's she's straightforward, and she makes light of it, but, you know, she got the biggest heart. She just keeps a tough veneer on on top of it. Wow. That's, that's dope. And I could definitely see Jenica calling you a punk. <laughs> it, it just buried it and just short, just when a whole dissertation on it or just a long speech, stop acting like a punk. Like I can hear is stop acting like a punk or just you're a punk. Like it was just very cut and dry, mm-hmm. which is a good movie. So if you haven't seen tears of the sun, it's a great movie. And I think I want to say that was the last movie. We might actually went to see that in the theater on, um, on post or something. I think it was like the last movie we saw prior to leaving. It might have been, yeah. Bruce um, Willis. I mean, one of our favorite Christmas movie action movie uh, heroes. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> this wasn't a Christmas action movie. I mean, this wasn't a Christmas movie, so we can, you know. Yeah, we can't agree least, that this he, wasn't a Christmas movie. Yeah, he's multi-talented. Not only does he make great Christmas movies. <laughs> mine was similar to you, but I, this is not pre-marriage. So I'm a thinker. I try to keep a very cool, calm demeanor about most things, I, which is a gift and a curse. Um, I'm very much in control of my feelings, but I also try to be true to myself. So call it 2010, the year my wife moved up to here to Houston with me. My line brother introduced us to this this relationship boot camp. So have you ever seen marriage boot camp or anything like that on TV? It was a re- uh, reality show at one point in time. We went before it made was really big. And so there was two parts of the boot camp. We really didn't do the relationship part because we weren't married yet, but we did the, it was like a self-help boot camp. So basically it was a week. It was a draining week hours. I think it might've been like from six till 10, four or five days a week for a week. And I mean, it was draining. And one of the last days we were there, it actually, I think it was Saturday. The last day we were there by that time, everybody in the class had broke down. Like mm-hmm. they had gotten to everybody. I mean, we walked in, it was couples on their, their last, like if this, if this shit don't work, we ain't making it. And, you know, we got dudes in there, black, white, you know, uh, Dudes and they're just like, man, this this is pointless. And I wasn't thinking it was pointless, but I thought I was in a better place than I was. And so the whole time we would every night we would go back and talk because I, I felt the emotion. I felt what was going on and stuff like that. But I was more so mentally 
I think I was suppressing what was really going on by think overthinking it, like like I already had a solution. And so um, somehow they pinpointed my relationship with my my father and me being me wanting to help people in the relating all that stuff. And so I'm just talking about it and stuff like that. And it got to a point where. And they were good at this. They would ask you a question. And they would just shut up and say, you have to talk about this for. Like maybe five minutes and you'll start talking for a minute or two and it's like, OK, is, is that enough? Well, I guess I'll keep talking and you keep going and it's like you just kept going. And I had this realization about me and my family, me and my father's I, I, some abandonment issues, issues that I found that I had that I didn't have just a lot of things. And it just like tears, like it just like it became like a waterfall, like it just came out and I just couldn't stop. It was just talking, talking, talking. And it's just like it went from, you know, my mom, you know, my dad being my role model to him and my mom splitting up and me feeling abandoned here, me feeling abandoned there, yada, 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 not having having trust issues with people, keeping people at a distance. And it was just kind of her being there and us being able to talk about it and, you know, her breaking her some things that she had. And we kind of had that moment together. And that was I think another one of those moments where I'm like, this is the woman I'm going to marry because I was already at like financially. I was at a, uh, I was at a, a dead end. I was like having a tough time. T- 2010 for anybody who doesn't know it was probably the toughest year of my life financially, mentally, emotionally. And that was kind of for that woman, my wife, Serena to be there with me at that moment. I had a revelation and I think it's definitely helped me uh, develop a better relationship with my father me want to be a better husband, me want to be a better father, father and stuff like that. But her being there and just, she was the only person that can console me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the only person I wanted to console me, you know, as much as I love my mom, as much as I love my, 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 my dad and my stepdad, she was the only person that's ever seen me that vulnerable. You know, most of us probably have a fear of vulnerability. And so for that, I, I thank you, baby, if you listen to this podcast. And I think that was one of our probably our closest moments. And from that day, we've had no problems being like really vulnerable, really transparent with each other. And I think that might have been the last time she saw me cry. The first and last she might have seen me cry last year. Uh, when we lost our our son, so that might have been it. But I think that I think I hell I think I called you and cried, Rosie. That might have yeah, been it. Yeah, you know, like because I didn't want to cry in front in front of her because she needed support and I couldn't be that at that point in time. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's it. I forgot about that. Damn, fellas, uh, very very revealing, man. Um, it's crazy too because it sounds like all three of us actually cried in front of our now spouses before they were actually our spouse so as you guys know me and Tabitha have been dating since ninth grade <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the first times I cried don't say when Tupac died I did not cry when Tupac died I was pissed but I did not cry <laughs> I was very pissed I was very pissed when he died I'm not gonna lie don't bring me back to that moment <laughs> so Tabitha and I were bonding over how you know our dad's uh, you know, wasn't as great as they should be. And, you know, I just I just broke down. This was like over the phone. Like I was like, you know, 
if I'm his son and he loves me, why won't he do X, Y, Z? Like, why doesn't he want to spend time with me? I just started crying. But that was over the phone. I still held on in my mind. Hey, I'm masking. I haven't cried in front of her. That's what I haven't done. Yeah. I'm still a man. Yeah. I'm a man. Well, late last year, I um I actually finally did that because I'm not a big crier. But um, you guys know, and you know, a lot of uh, our close friends know. Uh, it's been several years ago. My mom first uh, had had her first bout with cancer, mm-hmm. and thank God she caught it very early. And she did the chemo and and all that and all the treatment, and got rid of it. And about two years later, a second round of it came. And and like my mom is the most most religious, most faithful. Like she's strong. Like she keeps you from worrying. She she like the whole time I'm gonna beat this. Don't worry about it. I got this. I'm gonna beat it. Like just completely upbeat. She is still confident in me. I'm like, well, she says she's gonna beat this, so she's gonna beat it. <laughs> and so the second bout came, same thing. She beat it. And and during all that, you know, during all these like few years, she stopped trusting like the hospitals in Mobile, Alabama, which coincidence, we just made a post about trusting uh, medical practices. Mm-hmm. So she wound up getting some of her treatment up here in Northern Virginia. So she had been coming back and forth up here a lot the last few years. And so she was getting her treatment. Everything is going. Remember, she's had two bouts. And so. Uh, something else happened and she had to get more chemo, more treatment or whatever. And we thought we were finally done. She had to get, you know, both of her breasts removed and everything like that. So we thought we were clear. So she goes home and she's like, all I got to do is just go and uh, they're going to call me with my results on the follow-up, make sure everything is good. So I remember telling Tavern, I'm like, all right, I'm about to call my mom, you know, and uh, see how, make sure everything is good. You know, they sent, they told her her results today. So she's upstairs. I called my mom and she's like, you know, they, they found something else and I need to get uh, more treatment done. And it broke me, dog. Like, Tabitha came downstairs. I'm about to cry now. Tabitha came downstairs and I remember her asking, like, so what'd she say? And I couldn't even get the words out, dog. And she just, I guess she saw it and she just embraced me. And we've been married for, well, let me get this wrong. We've been married for 13 years. And that was the first time I cried in front of her. And I just let it flow. Like she embraced me and I like buried my face in her and just let the tears flow. Now, um, uh, uh, a side note, I, I did almost cry on our wedding day. The only reason I didn't cry on my wedding day is because I had a bet with Mike. Mike had bet me that I was going to cry, and I didn't want to lose that bet. So I made sure I held back those tears. <laughs> but when those doors opened and she came down the aisle, I was like, oh, Shussie, get it together. Get it together. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, Mike McCoy, DJ, a.k.a. DJ Tight Mike, was waiting on me to cry so he could win that bet. So I almost cried that day, but I wound up crying. I think it was about last month or maybe like November, man. And I, it, it just came out and I had moved beyond the whole, I'm not going to cry in front of her because I'm a man. It just had never happened. Like in the beginning, it was because, you know, I'm a man. I'm tough. I can't cry in front of her. But um, I don't know. It just happened, man. And it just, it, I needed that. I needed that, dog. Like I did not need to hold that in and I let it out. Hey. That's my first time. That's my first time finding out um, 
that y'all found she found something else. Yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned that a few months ago or something like that. Yeah, it was like last month, maybe a month and a half. You said something. You didn't give us a lot of details, you know, and you know how we are. We don't if you don't provide the information, we don't ask. You give you your space and your time to do what you do. But I mean, you 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 made one of the last things you said is it wasn't because you were trying to be a man or more masculine. It was just kind of it is what it is. Do you think we've been so brainwashed now? Like I that, you know, like yeah, I don't I don't feel like I have to hide anything from my wife. You know, like I'm not scared to cry in front of her. She knows my fears because we've talked about the thing about it. We talked about my fears for years. You know, um, how detrimental is that? Is like, what are, are we four or five cries behind? Like, should we have cried more, or what's going on? Like, is it because I'm pretty sure that was therapeutic, Rosie? Yours was therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. You know, mine definitely was therapeutic. And um, like I was saying earlier, uh, when we lost our son, like. Whew, I, you know, I was in a room with her. I kept it together because, she, you know, she needed me to. And I think I had to go do something or I forgot. I forgot what it was, but I had to step out of the, uh, the room for a second, make some calls. And in between those calls, and I and actually I don't even want to get too detailed, but I think you were the first person I called. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think you were and then action. And so I just had to like talk to you guys, get it out, whatever the case may be, because I guess my biggest fear out, outside of being vulnerable was being helpless. And I think we talked about that, you know, like for the one of the first times in my life for the woman I, I love more than anything, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. And, and, and you just brought up another example, too. I won't say this is because of masculinity or maybe it is. But your example just made me think of when Jasmine had to go to the hospital when she was like maybe five or six months, man. She had like RSV or something, mm-hmm. but it like scared Tabitha to death because she went there for like a regular checkup and her breathing wasn't coming back right. And, you know, they're running in and out, doing all these checks, panicking, Tabitha worrying even more. And finally they said, we got to take her to the hospital right now. And Tabitha like broke down. She called me at work. And I remember being at the hospital, you Man, seeing your little baby with tubes and stuff, bruh. But I felt like I couldn't cry because I wanted to be strong for Tabitha. So is that a part of trying to be too masculine too, you think? I, I, I don't think so because I think that there's there's ladies that do the same thing. Like in that in those moments where we're crying, they're probably, you know, ZZ probably would have cried too when, you know, you were breaking down about your dad but she probably didn't cry because she felt like she needed to be strong for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's just one of those things that you step up as the spouse when the other person, it's almost like kind of seeing who's, who's reacting more violently. So then we can say, okay, I got to be there for them. So then that kind of shakes you out of it. it it's almost like um, when you are drunk and you get pulled over by the cops, right? You got to shake that, uh, shake it off a little bit mm-hmm. and, and try to get as good as possible. And so I think that's what it is. So I don't think that as much masculinity as it is just trying to be there for that person. I, I think it's, I think it's double. I think it's both, you know, but definitely because my wife is one of the strongest people I've ever met, you know, and when we went through what we went through and just once as she, after she had her moment, Z, Z was just like, 
you know, we're going to get through it. You know, we saw it through, she had our moments, but we got through it. But I think for us, you know, one of the things we talked about in our marriage at one point, I think especially when after she had my daughter is almost kind of what we're talking about today is like unspoken role, roles. It's like my wife and Christian kind of mentioned this, like my wife probably does 70, 30% of the stuff with the kids. And it's not because I'm just lazy, whatever the case may be. She has the ability to focus on the kids and pay less attention to me because I had to, I had to watch out for her and the kids. Like part of my duty is to make sure she's always okay. Like I will, I'll go without, I'll make sure like I'll put my feelings on a shelf. I'll deal with that stuff later. I'll go cry in the car because she needs me. Like I have to be strong for Mm -hmm. her, you know, all the time, you know, like, you know, we all of us have kids, you know, after those first few months, they're, they're nervous, especially the first one, they're nervous and all this stuff. And so they're doing all this extra stuff. And you might not be changing as many diapers, but at the same time, and I think it's a perfect example, you're watching her. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching my wife to make sure there's no issues with her, make sure there's no postpartum, seeing if I can recognize those things because she has the baby covered. You know, like she's, that baby's going to be overdressed, over, over baby. Like they're going to put all the stuff in there, you know, stuff that we don't, the baby doesn't even, even need. But at the same time, I got to make sure she, she eats. Mm-hmm. She sleeps. She's not getting stressed out. She's not overwhelmed and all those things. And I think that's kind of part of what happens. It's one of those things like, hey, I got to put my feelings on the shelf because she needs me. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times we get good at it and it just goes unnoticed because like we were saying earlier today, you know, we, we commend ride or die chicks. But if a man's <laughs> quote, not a, quote unquote, not a ride or die, then he's kind of like almost a, a punk like. Yeah. You ain't gonna ride or die for your girl. Like that's kind of your, you don't get no song about that. Like what kind of song? Like my dude's a ride or die dude. Like, you mean, he's, <laughs> he's a good dude. Like he's a man. He got your back. Like, okay. I'll skip yeah. that song. So, you know, it's as an unspoken, uh, unsung rule that just happens. And, but a good woman, um, definitely is there in our moments of weakness, um, that probably for a lot of us is not as, not as awesome as they should be, you know. So last point before we change change gears, what do you say to the guys that may be listening to this and and not like, you know, saying, man, these old sensitive ass dudes, what like how do you respond to somebody that said, I mean, y'all, y'all weak, man, for I just I just uh choked up on air right now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So yeah. What, what do you say to the guys that ain't where we at as far as with that? I I let them uh, I'm I'm just going to talk to y'all. Look, man, it's okay to have emotions. You know what I mean? And let him out instead of bottling them up. It's going to make it so much easier for you to get past them. So, because if you bottle up emotions and, and it's going to explode, you know what I mean? And it might explode at the wrong time, anything like that. So letting it out is so much better for you. It's going to make you feel so much better. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a crier not because I I just feel like I'm I'm because I'm light skinned. Um, you know, <laughs> you I mean you I happen know. to be you happen to be the I, crier I just so of the happen group. to be light skinned yeah. and <laughs> emotional. 
<laughs> but no. I'm just telling you, man. I mean, I've been through those times. I think I, I cried, you know, that time I talked about with my dad, I probably didn't cry again after that until I was in my 20s. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things. I might have shed a tear, sniffled here and there, but like a full on cry. I hadn't done that until probably as late as then. You know what I mean? So I've been there with bottling it up and everything. I mean, but when it comes down to it, I've been through enough, you know, counseling and everything else to know that getting it out, you just feel like a weight lifted off of you, man. So stop carrying all that weight around um, and you'll, you'll, you'll just be so much happier in life because you got it out. So that's it. That's all I can say. I think mine is we, when you get to a point, I think for everybody in relationships, if you have a good relationship and you have enough trust, you know, you're, you're comfortable enough to let loose with that person. It might not be like, I'm not looking for reasons to go cry with my wife because I'm just not a crier, but I'm comfortable enough, not because of me, she's made me comfortable enough. Like it's a lot of times we think about what's going on with us. My, I'm the person I am in a large part because my wife gives me the ability and she supports me being who I am. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been that comfortable in front of a, a woman to cry like that, you know, or made me want to get to a point where I'm seeking to become a better person and go through therapy and go through things that make me cry and stuff like that. So she brought that out of me the same way that I think women that are in a successful and healthy relationships, they're more vulnerable and they're more, you know, I've actually seen something where some women, especially in those early stages of those good relationships are more vulnerable, but they're more explosive because they're able to unload those bag that baggage they've been holding on to or let those walls down. And now that, you know, they're find somebody that they're comfortable letting those walls down. They're working through all those those hangups. So the same thing with us, guys, if you find a woman that's that you really care about and allows you to let your your walls down. Do it, man. I mean, she'll appreciate you. It'll be therapeutic for you. So uh, and, and then you might get some put some walls up. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Oh, but one thing, one other thing I wanted to add in there though. Um, for when you talk about you called me and you was like, we we talked, we really didn't talk. Like, I just sat and listened, and it wasn't a whole lot of conversation going on, it was a chance for Ferg to vent and get it out. So, one other thing I'll tell you, fellas. Be that for your homeboy, um, be there for your homeboy yeah. when they and without shaming them or making them feel like they can't call you and cry because they just lost a child. Like that, you know what I mean? It, it, it's folks that even as friends would probably try to shame their homeboy if they cried because of that. Like man, man up, and like sometimes you just got to be that friend and just sit there and and don't make them feel like feel bad because they had to do that. You're a special kind of cruddy if you shame your boy for crying after he done lost a kid. Yeah, we got a yeah, we're, special kind of cruddy. Yeah, also, we got a we got a fights. <laughs> exactly. Also, Rosie, the first movie I cried on was Menace to Society. I just thought it was unfair that Kane was getting ready to move. You about to spoil it for Rosie? He ain't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it was unfair for what happened to Kane, and I ain't like it. 
Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the one? Wasn't he about to go to college? Oh um, because he was no, playing football. No, no just no, no. <laughs> next topic. <laughs> oh god. Oh man, Rosie, what's your question, bro? Uh, no, y- hey, y'all want to hear a joke? No, it's a good joke. It's a good joke. Sophie told it to me. All right, we go. We gonna do it. Knock knock. Brian, answer him. Yeah. Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Inter- inter- interrupting cow. Ooh. That was the worst joke ever. Get it? Get it? <laughs> yes. Yes. It was just. It was horrible. It's a good joke, man. It's a good joke. <laughs> oh man. Tabitha, you gotta forgive me for this one. <laughs> he does it to himself. He's gonna be on outside this time. That might be a shirt, Rosie. What? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Move. Like there it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm oh, to horrible, man. Why? When Sophie said it, I'm gonna get Sophie to say it. It's even funnier when she does it. Oh no, it's, it's just. It's... I mean, you, can, can you imagine a six-year-old telling you that? It's even better. Yes, that's who tells that joke. That's I know. Exactly that's the point. That that's the point. It's so bad that it's funny. Okay. Anyway. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So mine's a little, little serious as well. I, I guess. And so y'all know we got some merch now. And when 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 it went up, and even I've been helping Jenica and putting her prices and everything and pricing her stuff. Um, you know, we get a lot of folks calling and requesting quotes and stuff, and they be like, you know, I want this dress. I want you to recreate this Vera Wang dress that costs seventy five thousand dollars. Can you do it for one hundred and fifty dollars? And like, no, no, we can't. But at the same time, because we're not a big manufacturer, because Three Brothers No Sense isn't able to print 2,000 t-shirts, our our shirts are going to cost more. Jenica's clothes are going to cost more. She's making them by hand to your size and stuff like that. So, um, but you still get a lot of pushback from folks talking about, and we've heard it a couple times with I don't go to black businesses because they charge too much. I knew you were going there. Yeah. And and so my question to you guys is, do you guys pay a premium to support small businesses? If you do, why? If not, why not? Um, first off, I don't support black businesses as much as I should. I probably like I'm not actively like I know people who actively find black owned grocery stores, uh, you know, black owned small stores or like that. I don't actively do it, but if I know about it, I definitely will pay that premium. And and the why is because I want to see us win. Like, you know, I hear all the uh stereotypes and excuses that blacks don't support blacks or whatever. Uh I don't know how true that is, but I definitely try to do my best. Uh, I go to Atlanta, you know, I try to support, um, if I hear about a black restaurant or whatever, uh, I'll support it. So yeah, I don't mind paying that premium, man. I want to see us win. Uh, I love us and I want to, I want, I want it to become a norm when, uh, you see a black business. Like 
uh, a classmate of ours that went to our high school in La, at LaFleur, Erica uh, Barrett, mm-hmm. who has has uh, Soku down there. I thought one of the coolest things was that when we went, we visited there, you know, it was all kind of people in there, Asian people, white people, black people. I want to, I want that to be normal for a lot of black businesses. If they're successful, it's usually because only we're there. Like we're only, we supporting it. I want to become normal where black people support it. White people support it. It's, it's a business just like any other. So I want to see us win. So I don't mind paying the premium. But I do need to do better with actively seeking it. And I need to bank black. I've been talking about that for over a year now. I need to bank black as well. Yeah. I I, I understand and I feel you, Byron. I think what it is is we become addicts of convenience. Yeah. And so yeah. seeking a black business, seeking, you know, the thing everyday things because what what black businesses should I be supporting? You know, like you said, black bank black, and I'm the same way. I want to do better. I like in my heart of hearts, like I said, I'm one step away from being a black nationalist in my mind. But it's like, man, ain't no blank banks by me. And so you mean I got to go all the way over here to do this or do that or you know, it, it, it's I just have to do what's convenient for me because I don't like to be inconvenienced. But when I'm in a black business. And I'm supporting it. It's not that I think this is kind of the thing is like when we do support a black business, we we raise I feel like we raise our standards because it's a black business. This is my mm-hmm. problem. So just like you said, you have a little mom and pop shop and Jenica can't produce this same dress 5000 times and lower the price. She has to buy the material. She has to do this. She has to do this. And her price is too high. If it's a, if there's one stitch loose, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. But people will go to Walmart via rain, like all these large corporations and lower their standards. Mm-hmm. You know, think about every restaurant you went to. McDonald's has messed up my order. Uh Freaking every restaurant I've been to, Chick Fil A actually messed up my order once. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah, yeah. Chick Fil A actually messed up my order. Chick Fil A messed up my order. Like people make mistakes and we accept them, but we're not going to stop going to those places just because they messed up one time. But let Rizzi's Chicken and Waffles mess up an order, we're not going back. Let them have a waitress who wasn't as pleasant as you thought we're not going back or we're shaming it or this is why I don't support black business. If you go to Chili's tomorrow and they mess up your order and they had a rude waitress, you might take her trip or her tip down, might not go to Chili's for a few months. You know, think about all the things we boycotted for whatever reason. Nine times out of 10, we go back and they're usually large corporations, Mm -hmm. but we go back. Because they're convenient, we're used to them, and our our expectations are are low. You know, Um, I will pay a premium. Like you know, I'm trying to plan a trip for my lamplighters to um, to Alabama in the summer, and I'm looking for black busing like a black bus company and stuff like that. If it's a little more expensive, and we have we can fit in our budget, and they do their job because I don't want to just give you a pass. Now that I don't want to say I'm not gonna. 
I don't want to raise my standards, but I want to keep you keep it on par. Like, hey, and maybe even give you a little more slack just because I understand the things that you're faced with. But don't don't take advantage of it. So um, maybe we should figure out what are the easiest black businesses to support and start there. I like the lazy excuse you brought up uh, that we tend to use a lot is, well, you go to black business, they, you know, bad customer service. And like for, for whatever reason, when it comes to black people, a small amount, a small amount of examples equals the majority, if not all of us. So, you know, you see a, a, a couple of black males that commit a crime. All black people are thugs. You go to a, a black restaurant, get bad customer service. Black businesses don't know how to treat you and they overcharge you anyway. Like we always get caught up. And like you said, for if it happens at a white establishment, we don't do them like that. I'll never forget this conversation I had at work with somebody when I was like, uh, man, it would be great if Obama appointed a black female to the Supreme Court. And the first thing this person said was, well, as long as she was qualified, she'd have to be qualified for it. Like, you would not say that about a white male. You would not say, you know, I hope Merrick Garland is is qualified. Mm -hmm. But it seems like whenever it comes to us, like, like Obama, I talked about Obama, he, his pre, his whole presidency was questioned. There's no way he he was that smart at Harvard. There's no way he was born like we always get questioned and we, we always get lumped into the majority negative stereotypes, and we we help feed that, and we got to get away from that, man. If you have a bad experience at a black establishment, don't write off all up. Just write that one off. Like give them a second chance. If it's bad again, then don't don't go back to that place. Or or check your standards. Is it bad, or is it the norm? Like your food came out cold. Have you ever been to another restaurant whose food came out cold and did you go back? You know that that's my thing. Is like you're putting this level of like, well, I'm about to go support uh Rising Chicken and Waffles. They better be good. Mm -hmm. It's just like. You stop you 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 you'll pass by freaking Wendy's and it's like you don't sit there like I hope this Wendy's is good. I hope we, they melt my cheese. It's like we do what we complain is done to us, to us, when we say, Hey, we have to be extra great in order to be on par with an average white person. Yeah. And so we take that mentality and apply it to black businesses that they better be great. Like my food better be hot. My, my waiter better be on point. It better be clean. I better enjoy the atmosphere. They better crack a couple of jokes I like. Like I, I better get the hookup. Like black businesses, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that there are no bad black businesses. Trust me, bad I know what businesses though. This is bad businesses. Exactly, that's the thing. Exactly. So, that, but that's like I said, have you ever think about the last? And I use restaurants because I think that's where the easiest thing that I think people go black people is you can compare it to is. When's the last time you walked into it, unless you're trying out a new expensive restaurant for the first time, but you really think about like, I hope this place is good when you're stopping. Like you just, you like, if I stop by Popeye's or if I stop by a Wendy's, if I stop by a Chipotle, if I, whatever restaurant you go. I, I, I think people do that when they're trying anything new though. Even if it's a new chain restaurant, if cookout, when cookout came, first time I walked into cookout, I was like, I hope it's good. Now, it was okay, but it was super cheap. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna roll with it because it's it's super cheap. And you know, cheap. I mean, 
Huh? Okay. That's an A-U-T. A-U-T. So it won't, it, it won't, I rock with it, you know? So I, I think it's when people, they, they've set that expectation of I hope it's good, but I do think they put that higher expectation of it has to be perfect for me to come back instead of it was okay. I think a lot of times, though, we don't even tell the owner and give the owner a chance to cor- make corrections. You but know, would you, we'll, would you we'll, do go, we'll go tell everybody out. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. As 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 black people to support black businesses, not only do we need to go and try them, but when we do have a bad experience, when we do not like something, when we say, hey, the 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 greens were too salty. All right. If the greens are too salty, did you go talk to the chef? Not in no. Oh, I'm trying to get my my uh, check comped. Not in a. You know, I'm being rude. Just then, hey, here's what I thought. I'm. Not, I don't want to put it on Yelp because I want to support you and I want you to get better. I know you knew, so, but I want you to know. Here's what I I, I felt. You know what I mean? And and do, and do that respectfully because that's how we got to get better. We can't like walk out of the restaurant, walk out of the uh, establishment, and be like, I'm never going back. And then tell all our friends never to go in there, but nobody ever told the person why you walked out and you were mad and you felt like it was a bad, you know, um, like interaction. So I think we got to do that part, too. What could black businesses do to help that? Because, like I said, I think sometimes we'll go in there with higher standards. So if you're a black business owner of Rosie's Chicken and Waffles and you feel like every time these black people come in, they got something to complain about because we know that a lot of times we complain about black businesses. So it's just another black dude complaining about this business. And it's like, you would not go across the street and have this same argument or have the same complaint at X restaurant. I, who I, I know I'm better than. I, I would say one of the things they could do is take as many complaints as possible. Seriously. Don't just write them off as, well, I don't need they rude ass to come back here anyway. Like, <laughs> I talked about Eddie V's. Eddie V's did not have to do what they did. They they are a successful chain. I made I didn't even like trash them. I got on Facebook and said, man, the last time I went there, it wasn't so great. They sent a two hundred dollar gift card. Now I'm not saying every black restaurant can afford to do that, but they're on uh social media like they're looking at nearly every comment. And if there's a complaint, they're trying to remedy that. They want every customer they can possibly get. So don't take any customer for granted. If you have a customer that's complaining, do what you can within reason to try to remedy that. You know, if they complain about their food and come out hot, you know, offer to redo it, offer them to come back, offer them a free appetizer, whatever you can afford within your business. But take the complaint seriously. And I'm not speaking from any type of knowledge, but I just would think that sometimes it's easy to write off a complaining customer and say, well, you know, the hell with them. I don't need them. No, take that customer seriously. Well, mm-hmm. what if they're not writing them off? What if they just like their, their, their margins are already thin. A lot of mm-hmm. these places, you know, um, I'm just assuming, you know, there's some thriving black businesses. So I'm not trying to down them, but if their margins are already thin and they're, 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 they're barely making it by that, that plate I just sent out cost me $8. I charge you 10. Now I got to send it out again for another eight. I'm not making any money on it. It's, you know, Eddie V's can afford to charge you $200. You know, it's 
are we should we be expecting that? Should we be like is is it um but that that's that is the downward cycle of a failing business though. I mean, you look at Sears. Sears is exactly that what you just talked about. It's oh, I I can't keep my stores clean. I can't, you know, um make my customers happy. So less customers come in. And then I'm make, make, making thinner margins, so I still can't keep my stores clean, and they're dirtier, and now I have less. So what do I do? I go and I hire less people. So now, not only is it dirty, but my service is bad, too. And so now, less customers come in. That's how Sears failed. That's how Kmart failed. So business owners out there, like Byron said, you have to take every complaint and try to remedy it, try to figure out a way to get that customer back in. So if you have to eat the eight dollars to redo that meal this one time so that that customer will come back. You have a customer for life. You have a customer that's going to repeat. So, and, and then what you need to do is you need to look at who made that food and why they send it out cold. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to address (laughs) the problem. A lot of times what happens is it's a complaining customer and you just say, not, not even if you don't write them off, you might remedy the situation with the customer, but you don't fix the problem. Good point. And I, I want to go back to something Ferg said too. Uh, we always see people complain about how there are, are not enough cashiers at Walmart, but people still go there and shop. Mm-hmm. Every time some people they complain about lack of cashiers, how the customers in there look trashy, but people still go in Walmart. So because it's cheap, exactly. right? And that's the thing. So <laughs> so you you have to know. And this, this is like business school 101. We, we, we dropping pearls to anybody that's thinking about opening a business right now. But you have to know what your niche is so and know what your customer base is. So if you say I'm going for low cost and you're going to be the low cost leader, you you can get away with having a little bit bad service and you're you're. You know, you could be a little dirty. You could be Waffle House, where it's dirty, but it's cheap. <laughs> and it's open and, all the time. <laughs> and it's open all the time, and the food is pretty delicious. And so, you, might get you know shot. what I mean? Yeah, you might get shot. So, you, you, it's trade offs there. You know, or do you want to be uh, Alexander McQueen and I'm going to charge you $1,000 for a t shirt? And, but because my brand is what it is, because of the quality of your shirt, because I didn't know that fabrics, there was such a big difference in the cost of fabric and, and what it actually feels like. And so now I understand when people spend a thousand dollars on a, a button down, I understand why, because when you feel the material that that button down is made out of and how it falls, <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, it's worth it. Like it is definitely worth it. Now, luckily, I got a wife that can make that thousand dollar shirt for uh, next to nothing. But I mean, it, all of that matters. So you have to know what you're going after, who you're going after, and really push towards that. Um, some of the ways I, I, I know you guys asked about how we can find places. Um, there's a couple links that I know of. Um, OfficialBlackWallStreet.com. You can go there. It has a location finder for black businesses. Uh, and then we buy black.com is another one that promotes black businesses. I've, I've shopped there before. Yeah. So, so let's, let's put that on the website. And trust me, you pay a premium on, uh, we buy black.com. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you pay a nice premium on that. <laughs> <laughs> it don't help that I'm cheap. <laughs> it happens, man. I just just wanted you guys thoughts on that, but please, my answer is kind of the same. Yes, I I 
I pay premiums. Being a small business owner, uh, I can tell you, and I'm, I'm, I come from a serial entrepreneur. Like I said, I talked about my mom and the Mardi Gras store before the end. She had a party supply store. She had a daycare. Like we always had something going on on the entrepreneur side. Um, and we, we, I heard all of that growing up. We always heard about that. Your prices are too high. You know, I'm not priced like Walmart. Well, Walmart has economy of scale that I don't have. So, you know, they're, they're, I'm paying what they, for my suppliers, what they are almost selling it for. And so, you know, that's, that's the issue that we run into with trying to be a small mom and pop. And and that's the, that's what Walmart has done anyway. It's put uh, so many small mom and pop stores out of business because they have that economy of scale. Um, so guys go support your small businesses, not, not just black business, small business in general, but definitely the, um, the small, the black businesses as well. So I'm gonna leave with this. Hey, uh, businesses, business owners, Pick your niche wisely because Riza just said something that, you know, why would I choose you over Walmart? Like, that's kind of what I'm getting. Like, like if, why would I choose you over Walmart? Just because you're a black business, is it worth the premium? I want to support you, but why Walmart's more convenient? You know, you're selling the exact same thing. Is there a reason? Is there almost what we were talking about earlier? Like you have to be better. You have to, you know, you kind of, you have to know the market. Like, Mm-hmm. Your product has to be superior. Yeah. Or you're more convenient. You're closer than Walmart. That That's how Dollar General, that's how jo- Dollar General is eating Walmart's lunch in small towns and in um like uh, smaller areas because they can put three stores way yeah. closer to you than a big Walmart can. Yeah. So, when I was in Mississippi yeah. last year for Thanksgiving, there was a family dollar every three, four miles. So that's good. That's good, man. Well, I'm going to keep... Our, mer- our merch is excellently priced, by the way. Yes, so it's, it's, it's great. We had a... ThreeBrothersNoSense.com. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, well, my question, I guess I'll try to make it a little lighter. Hopefully, you guys take it light. So, I talk about my lamp lighters a lot. We're getting ready to do a... Hopefully, we have a fundraiser coming out So in the next week and a half, two weeks. So, definitely be looking for it. Uh, we're doing a retreat and for spring break and we're also doing um a team building retreat as well as a trip in the summer and so i'm all about trying to help mold better young men especially better young black men and men of men of color as well and so i'm always looking at like how do i i like i said i'm a student of people i watch other cultures and i notice a lot of people have rites of passage and so, like, I think in our community, we really don't have a rites of passage outside of, you know, like, I turned 18, I'm grown. Uh, but what was the what was the day or what was that rite of passage in your world that made you feel like I'm grown or my, my mom and dad look at me as grown or, like, I'm a man now, like, I'm a, I'm a big kid. Like, what was that? Because, you know, in the Jewish community, they have a bar mitzvah. You know, like, there's certain things. Spanish people uh, in the Mexican community have uh, quinceañera for the young ladies. It's like a rites of passage. It doesn't have to be I'm 21 years old and I'm grown, but it's like, you know what? I'm kind of getting grown now. So what was that for you guys? Well, it's, it happened in stages. Um, you know, when you first get your car, first get your job, like you said, when you turn 18, you go vote for the first time. Uh, when you're able Folks, to buy- please go vote. 
<laughs> please, please do. Uh, when you're able to go buy, when you're able to go buy liquor at the real liquor store, not just the hood <laughs> joints. <laughs> but the moment for me happened when I was a, a significantly older. Was uh, like right before me and Tabitha got married, like when we were like engaged, and we went back home to Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> And we were able to sleep together in the same bed. I knew that was going to I was like, oh, okay. That <laughs> is hilarious. That, that's when you know your parents have like officially let you, that you grown. I can't, I can't uh, control it no more. And that, Yeah, that's hilarious. Because I've ran into, in my opinion, the situation where, and I won't name any names, but some of my relatives that have always been adults when I was a child, and now they're older adults, and I'm an adult. I always felt like they didn't quite understand the fact that I'm an adult. Like certain things they would try to tell me to do, like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm mm-mm. no. Oh, I got yeah. I got a mortgage now. I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't listen to you like that no more. Now I'll be respectful. I'll do things out of respect. But as far as just telling me what I'm gonna do, now nah, it's no, we don't play space like that. Mm-hmm. So um so that 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 definitely is a big deal for me. But like I said, her mom allowed us to do that, and my mom, that was like, okay, we're we're officially adult adults now. So, and it's a cool moment, man. It's it's a real cool moment. What about you, Rosie? For me, like Byron said, it, it is levels to it. I think you know that 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 car makes a huge difference for you feeling grown. Because yeah, you you're not asking, can you drop me off? Can I go here? Can I go there? That type of thing. Uh, so that that's huge for us. Just get in the car. But for me, I think because we did split up for the army, and so for everybody listening, if you don't know the, you can join the army in high school your junior year at seventeen as long as your parents uh, approve it and they sign off on it. So we actually went to basic training between our junior and senior year of high school. Um, and so we were full-fledged army folks in high school and leaving for basic training. I felt like I did leave a child and I came back a man like at graduating and I had been on my own for 10 weeks. I've been through the muck and learned all the stuff and, and I basically been living by myself um, along with, you know, 20 other people in a bay, but <laughs> only <laughs> by 20? myself. <laughs> we we had the small bays. Oh um, man, we had those sixty man bays. Oh man, <laughs> oh, that's right. You guys didn't do basic together. Nah, nah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we left like a week apart or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, when I graduated, my dad, you know, came and everything and telling me he's proud or whatever. But my dad actually, when I graduated, he did treat me differently. Like he did, he treated me like a man because he, I think, because he understood because he had went through basic in the Navy, which kind of like summer camp or whatever they call it. Um, but you know, he had done that, and so I think he saw me as a man once I graduated. Now, my mom, on the other hand, really didn't, but uh, it took a while for her to start understanding that I was grown. But for my dad, I think that was the big piece that really made it okay, you're you're on your own and you can do your own thing. Yeah, I agree with both of you. Um, different levels to it. One of mine was when I 
left for the military or when I actually brought it to my mom, it was, you know, if you guys know anything about my mom, my mom is very nonchalant, very just laid back. And like, if that's what like, literally, Hey mom, I think I'm gonna join the army. Well, if that's what you want to do. And that was me joining the army mm. uh, in a nutshell. But for me, it was a little earlier and maybe it was just, maybe I was just, I don't know what it was for me. It was the day I got to pick my barber and pick my haircut. <laughs> you remember like go at one point you go to the who open you go to the first chair because your mom and them don't want to be there all day mm-hmm. and it's kind of like all right because uh, mm-hmm. I used to go to Enix in Tomerville uh, off of St. Stephen's Road and Miss Rose has cut my hair for the longest hey Miss Rose uh, <laughs> and then one day I got to get my hair cut by Bo Diddley that was like my my coming of age you know, Miss Rose was, uh, I think, busy. It was like had five people in her chair. And it's like, my mom only going to wait up there. Like, well, let whoever you want to cut your hair. And Tamel was like, you need you need to go to Bo. And and I think I got my, I went to Bo and he gave me, and I was talking about it the other day, he gave me my part down the middle with my uh, the, uh, Larry Johnson part. And mm-hmm. I remember when you had that part, man. <laughs> yeah, man. That like, and going to Phillips, that was kind of like, that was kind of rebellious. You know what I'm saying? Like you were, we were very cut and dry. It's like, got my hair cut the way I wanted. Got my little part, the uh, the unorthodox part. And I felt like a man that day. It felt like, you know what? Life, life is looking up, you know? And from that point, I haven't looked back. So uh, thank you, Bo <laughs> Dilly, for my part that we never could get right <laughs> it just, just kind of, I don't know. I think it's yeah. just impossible to get it right. But it was to like little of, things like that, you know. It was like, yeah. To figure back off of that, I'm thinking about it. Not necessarily picking the barber, but that first time your mom dropped you off at the barber shop. Yeah. To be there by yourself the rest of the day and be like, call me when you finish or yeah. whatever. That that is a little bit of freedom right there. That you know, you you feel like a little bit of a man when you like, okay, cool, I'm here yeah. by myself. So I'm gonna be here for about three hours, chilling, hanging with the guys, talking. Why were we there for three hours? That was. So crazy. I have no idea. It's like it takes like what fifteen minutes to cut your hair, and, and uh, you you might be like the third second person in there, but somehow you end up getting like skimmed. Like, oh, I had an appointment, I got an appointment, and so you end up being there like three yeah, hours. When you're I think kid, they were like screwing us because we were a kid. Yeah, but I was in there playing with my homeboy anyway. So I was in there playing with the male and the family, and you know, which was a bunch of kids from the neighborhood rolling around. So, nah, man. Uh, oh, that and being able to get dropped off at Teen Jams. Oh man, yes, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> get dropped off at Teen Jams. Oh, the skating uh, rink. Oh, the skating <laughs> rink. So call us. You walk up to the uh, walk up to what, what was that? What was the grocery store up there? By the skating rink, uh, walk over to make. Uh, that's why I met uh, my was parents. That Greer's? Call my, was that was a Greer's? Or it was Food World. It was Food World. Food World, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so getting dropped off there and then being able to go to, because we used to, my mama drop us off, your mama pick us up. And when we got to that point, that was, that was a, that was a good day in my life, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hanging with Melvin and, uh, Johnny Wilson doing that kind of stuff. So, all right, people, I try to keep it light. Any other questions? Anything else you guys got going? Uh, I just was going to say one last note, how ass backwards it would be. When you picked your barber, you wanted to pick the one that had like a lot of customers. You didn't want to pick the one that had the empty chair. <laughs> no, no. Empty chair like, nah, I'm good. No, I still, had to, I, I still had to wait on Bo. Bo, if you're waiting on Bo, Bo had those. Bo was like the dude that all the dudes in the hood went to. But you, So it was like... 
the dude's name was Bo Diddley. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it got to the point where Bo Bo got so busy that I had to go to Big John. So I had to move on, move on. But like Bo was that was a big that was like I said, that was a dude that all the dudes in the hood knew. So if you're from Tomoville, you ever went to Enix, you know who Bo is. And mm-hmm. so he had a long, he had a long wait. So that two hour, three hour wait might be four. How many you got, Bo? I got five. Oh my bad, I got six. We didn't so, even have cell phones back then to entertain us. Cell phones, you just you know, wait. you just was waiting. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, double XL in the source. <laughs> yeah, I stayed around the corner, so I there was days I just walked home, you know, you yeah. know. So, but to, speaking of speaking of having to switch, man, that used to be the hardest thing in the world when you want to switch barbers and they like in the same oh. shop, but they chair was right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a lot of things. Cheers. That was awkward. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like you know the 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 time you like I'm in a rush. I go to the other guy. They kind of understand that, but it's the it's the next time when you come back. Oh yeah. And you're like, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go with the new guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you know what because you got to think I was broken cheap, and you know the dudes from the hood, the the dope boys was sitting there going through both. You know, breaking them off. That's why I kept getting skipped. And so I think <laughs> Bo felt sorry for me because Big John had clients too. I think Bo pushed me on Big John. I used to let Big John. Big John used to come out. So you know Big John. So Bo yeah. was a dude that right, was right next to him. So Big John. So exactly, Big John. I, could. I still use a line from Big John to this day. Man, a fight broke out in Enix one time. Uh, I'm like, like dudes were just throwing hands. And after the fight was over, it's like, man, why you try to? Big John said, man, I don't step in between two grown people fighting. That's not my business. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's some good advice. Right yeah, somebody gonna get tuckered out. <laughs> and that was Big John. So you know, Big John had his client too, but Bo kind of just like, you know, like downgrading me. Like, look, hey man, you know, I got these D boys doing what they do, so you gonna be here all day waiting on me. For your mm-hmm. uh, your ten dollar cut and your two dollar tip, so <laughs> so uh, yeah, man. But fellas, that was a great show. Let's close them on out. What you got for us, Rosie? Um, I just want to send a shout out to Sears Outlet. Um, the, the good old Scratch and Dent got me a, a four hundred dollar uh, refrigerator from just, there. You just dissed them earlier in the show. You called them dirty. Who you, you did? <laughs> you did. I call Sears dirty. Yes. Yeah, Sears and oh, Kmart. Oh, I was talking about Sears. Yes, yes. Sears is dirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is one of those prime examples of you know knowing the trade off. Sears Outlet, on the other hand, <laughs> is a scratch and dent store, meaning I I expect it to be dirty in there. Uh, and and the weird part about it is they had a niche. They have a niche, and the <laughs> weird part is Sears Outlet was actually better lit <laughs> and cleaner than actual Sears was. So why wouldn't they be? Exactly that again. That's not, that's that not hard. That's not Sears. hard. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a it's a low bar, and uh, Sears Outlet actually beat the bar. So uh, shout out to them, man. They uh, hooked me up, got me a good deal. On a little, it, it's it's like a single ding on the refrigerator, man. So, um, great deal for my rental property. Love that. So, yeah, shout out to them. What you got for us, Buff? All right, so y'all got vulnerable Buff today. Uh, kind of choked up a little bit on the episode. So, that was a three brothers no sense first. 
Uh, also, at the top of the show, Ferg mentioned how it's uh, MLK Day when this uh, episode drops. And almost every year, I'm getting a, a small soapbox. Every year, I always see how people say how King wasn't as radical as Malcolm X. He wasn't as down for the cause as Malcolm X. You need to go read it up on what King went through, bro. King was in the trenches, man. He mm-hmm. he did a lot of that stuff in the heart of the South. Not to take anything away from X, but a lot of what he did was in New York, Detroit. King was in Birmingham, aka Birmingham. So don't yep. don't discredit what King did. He wasn't a perfect man. We all know, you know, what he did, but he was a great man. He did some great things. And and give that man his respect. Uh, Obama used to ask us to like do some type of service on MLK Day. So uh, pay it forward, volunteer, do something, or learn more about the man, more than what you learned in school. And last, I don't know if you already did this, Razio, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Erica Cooley asked you to post something and you said you would. Have you posted that? If not, I think you should make a video. Yeah, be looking out, be looking out. I'm going to um, talk about just financial wellness tax returns. You guys are getting that uh, and some ways to kind of get out of debt and and still get your credit right. But at the same time, walk away with the same amount of money or very close to what you actually got back from your tax return. So um, I think I talked about it on uh, Politically Entertaining. So y'all can go back to one of the back catalogs. And that was um, one of the best episodes. Yeah, so um, we can post a link to that episode in the show notes as well. But yeah, I'll make a video about it. All right. Well, I mentioned my mom earlier and how nonchalant she is. So I want to take this time to say congratulations to my mother, uh, Maggie Ferguson, or I guess she might be Maggie Cummings now. So when I say my family is so nonchalant, we really don't celebrate things well. Uh, found out my mom got married on January 13th. She's married uh, now. She, yeah, she's married now with to my to a guy she's been with for the last 24 years. He's been great to her. He is actually uh, Greg Cummings. He's the my sister's father. He's been a very important part of our family for years. Um, so it's nothing new. Didn't come for as a surprise. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when it was coming. Uh, but basically got a text message with uh, a link. Well, well, several pictures of them getting married. Uh, I guess later that day after they, they had went to work. And so after they got out of work, they went and got married. So that's my mom in a nutshell. You know, he posted the pictures to and sent them to me and my siblings and it was just a whole long thread of us just clowning and just saying, this is my mom in a nutshell. But regardless how much we clown and talk about that, we love you guys. Uh, thank you, Greg, for being there for the family for so long. You do so much, especially for my, my, my niece and my nephew, uh, and my kids. So we love you. Welcome to the family. Mom, I'm glad you found happiness. You deserve it. So with that being said, this is three brothers, no sense. You know the six rules of podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. See you next week.